0: It's Philosophy Talk. Wisdom is holding two contradictory truths in our mind simultaneously. If you believe contradictions, what's to stop you from believing anything? If I'm not happy, and I'm not not happy, isn't that a true contradiction? If I'm standing in the doorway, can I be indoors and outdoors at the same time? Can God make a rock so big that he can't move it?
1: His heart will stop at the very side of you where he doesn't deserve to live and yes, I am aware of the contradiction embodied in that sentence.
0: This sentence is false. Does that mean it's also true? Logicians have been struggling with this since it was put on the table by Eubulides two and a half thousand years ago. Our guest is Graham Priest from the City University of New York. No one has succeeded yet in explaining what's wrong with it. True contradictions. Well,
2: that's a contradiction in terms of I ever
0: heard one. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. How could something be both true and false at the same time? If we accepted contradictions, would we end up believing just anything? Or would we simply be more open to the mystery of the world? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Accept your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about true contradictions. The world is full of contradictions, right? like uh, parting is such sweet sorrow. Uh, parting is sweet, but parting is also sad. Uh, and sweetness and sadness are opposite. So, contradiction. Uh, that's not a contradiction, Josh. It's just mixed emotions. A real contradiction would be like if Romeo was both sad and not sad. Something would have to be true and not true at the same time. Uh, you mean, okay, like this. I'm lying right now. Oh, it's the famous liar paradox. So you tell me you're lying. And so if you're actually lying, then the sentence you said is true, in which case you're not lying. But if you're telling the truth, that means you're lying. So either way, you're both lying and telling the truth. Exactly. So that right there is a true contradiction. (laughs) Yeah, nice try. But actually, your sentence wasn't both true and false. It was neither. Okay, let me rephrase myself, Ray. I'm not telling the truth right now. Okay, get out of that one. Well, that one is also neither true nor false. Okay, so that means I wasn't telling the truth, which is exactly what I said, which means I was telling the truth. Ah, that's a lot of logic before I've had my coffee. Uh, I see what you're doing, Ray, trying to use comedy to get out of a tight spot. It's not gonna work. Okay, fair enough, you got me. Maybe I need more coffee so that I can come up with a better answer. But I do know that whatever the story is about these liar paradoxes, true contradictions just cannot exist. Nothing can be both true and false at the same time. Why not? Well, think about what would happen... You'd be able to prove just anything, that, that Santa Claus exists, that birds aren't real, that the moon landing was faked, that pineapple belongs on pizza. <laughs> like, you name it. I like the pineapple on pizza example, but I, I don't understand the logic, right? I, how do you get from the liar paradox to the moon landing? Well, just think about proving things by process of elimination. Like Sherlock Holmes? Exactly. So Holmes says, when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. So you're telling me Holmes, the arch rationalist, is going to help us support conspiracy theories? Well, if you add true contradictions to the mix, then yeah, here's how it works. So I want to use the process of elimination to prove something, like say that my enemy committed a murder. So I make a list of hypotheses. One of them is that my enemy committed the murder. And the other is the liar paradox. That's a weird list, Ray. Yeah, yeah, but we know that one of the hypotheses on the list is true because you said it yourself. The liar paradox, both true and false. You're going to make a great detective. (laughs) Yeah, but you see where I'm going, right? By process of elimination, I can get rid of all the false hypotheses on my list. And guess which one we know is false. Oh no, what have I done? Yup, since the liar paradox is false, the only remaining possibility is that my enemy is the murderer. Could it be my enemy instead? I mean, sure, it can be whatever you want. I admit I'm kind of tempted, Ray, but still, I do think we can embrace the idea of true contradictions without giving up on reason and common sense. And without framing anybody for crimes, I bet our guest will back me up. It's Graham Priest, professor of philosophy at the City University of New York and author of the book Doubt Truth to Be a Liar. But first, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to look for true
2: contradictions in literature, including the Bible. She files this report. It's perfectly reasonable to want truth and order, but literature is unlikely to help with that. Fiction is filled with paradoxes, plot holes, and unreliable narrators.
0: It is midnight. The rain is beating on the windows.
2: That's from Samuel Beckett's novel Malloy. Later, the narrator describes another version of reality.
0: I do not know. I shall learn. Then I went back into the house and wrote, It is midnight. The rain is beating on the windows. It was not midnight. It was not raining.
2: Another example, The Sepulchre Girl Diaries by George Saunders. The narrator who is keeping a diary writes,
0: Do not really like rich people, as they make us poor people feel dopey and inadequate. Not that we are poor. I would say we are middle. We are very, very lucky. I know that. But still, it is not right that rich people make us middle people feel dopey and inadequate.
2: And the next day, he writes a clarification.
0: I'm not tired of work. It is a privilege to work. I do not hate the rich. I aspire to be rich myself. And when we finally do get our own bridge, trout, treehouse, SGs, etc., at least we will know we really earned them. Unlike, say, the Tarinis, who I feel must have family money.
2: What's true, what's false, everything. As novelist and Vietnam vet Tim O'Brien writes in How to Tell a True War Story, Absolute occurrence is irrelevant. A thing may happen and be a total lie. Another thing may not happen and be truer than the truth. Fiction is important and all, but what about the Bible, the most widely circulated book in history? Biblical texts are filled with contradictions.
1: I think that there are lots of truths that can be found in biblical books. Jennifer Knust is a professor
2: of religious studies at Duke University.
1: I don't think that the truths are going to be consistent, but rather an opportunity to reflect on how messy it is to be alive and to try to figure out how to be human.
2: In 2011, Knuth published Unprotected Text: The Bible's Surprising Contradictions About Sex and Desire, at a time when sexuality was also a biblical battleground. In this interview from that period, Piers Morgan talked to American televangelist Joel Osteen.
1: What's your view now?
0: You know, Piers, it really never changes because mine was mine's based out of the scripture. That's what I believe that the scripture says, that, that homosexuality is a sin. So, it, you know, I believed it before and I still believe it now.
2: The Ethics and Religious Library Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention had filed a brief before a district court in favor of Proposition 8, the California ballot initiative that said marriage must be between one man and one woman. The brief argues Southern Baptists have no choice but to oppose same sex marriage. Canoose found that all very frustrating because there is no biblical sexual standard.
1: I just thought things that were being said around how the Bible is some kind of clear rule book about sexual morals was just so wrong and so bad for the Bible and so bad for us as human beings who are trying to come up with a way to be sexually moral and kind and compassionate beings to one another sexually and in every other way.
2: In the New Testament, there are letters ascribed to the Apostle Paul, who says he wishes everyone could be celibate like him.
0: Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 7. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with
1: a woman, but... Because of the temptation. He thinks that Jesus is returning soon for a, the second coming to bring heaven and earth together into a new creation. And why would you waste your time getting married when you could be celibate and concentrate on getting ready for that event?
0: But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control.
2: Then there's another letter, possibly written by Paul, depending on what you believe, called First Timothy, where an opposite argument is made.
1: In fact, there's a passage um, in the Letters to Timothy where um, younger widows are specifically told that they should get married again. And also um, young women are told that they are saved through childbearing, which is a pretty different argument than is in First Corinthians.
2: Canoes says contradictions are an invitation to pay attention. Her mom was an amateur Bible scholar. Growing up, they would read a big picture Bible together on a big gold couch. And her mom encouraged her to ask questions. She's still part of
1: Christian communities that are open to multiple interpretations. And consider love and kindness and generosity and compassion to be values that are more important than clobbering someone over the head with a passage that has been multiply interpreted and is contradictory with other passages.
2: Not demanding or pushing a single absolute correct answer to big questions is a powerful thing. I love, she speaks like silence Without ideals of violence She doesn't have to say she's faithful Yet she's true like ice, like fire For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeath.
0: Want to hear more?